Welcome to a brand new episode of Release Your Roar. Raw conversations with inspiring guests that dug deep to become a success. Use this episode wisely. Let it activate you and release your roar. Here's your host, author, speaker, executive coach, and founder of Becoming a Lioness and the Ari Source, Crystal de Leon Sarmiento. Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Bare Beauty Aesthetics. CEO and founder is Abby Torres. The Abby effect is known to give you the perfect silhouette. If you don't believe me, head on over to Instagram, search her up by typing in Bare Beauty Aesthetics 01 and take a look for yourself. Look, I'm telling you that it's enough to get a girl like me signed up. Using world-class non-invasive fat reduction and skin tightening machines, some of you may or may not have heard of, but have amazing results. The Abby effect is known for leaving her patients raving and telling others about their experience, releasing inches right away, as well as increased, decreased cellulite over time. If you're interested in seeing what you would look like after a session and having the Abby effect, go ahead and call her directly, 713-815-0628. Or you can reach out to her directly on Instagram as well. Guys, if you are wondering about this machine, I'll tell you what, it doesn't discriminate. It gives the same results to females and males the same. So don't hesitate. Go ahead, call Abby and get your Abby Effect session booked right away. Again, 713 815-0628. Another episode of Release Your Roar podcast. Today, we have an amazing, amazing surprise for you. One of the people that I admire the most in this world is this powerful human being that I'm about to introduce to the world of Release Your Roar. As you guys know, we don't just bring on anybody on the show. We bring on people who have extraordinary stories, journeys, and we're able to accomplish obstacles in life, and we're able to release their roar. And this person that I'm about to share with you today is the owner and CEO of the number one lash studio in the entire Galleria, Houston, Texas. But not only that, she offers lash training school to other entrepreneurs and dreamers of having their own business and her passion in life is to help others accomplish success because she herself has overcome things in life that you're about to hear about so without further ado i introduce to you my dear friend owner and ceo of woe lash lucy woe hello (laughs) that was a really great introduction thank you thank you so much for having me i really i'm so honored to be here with you i'm honored to be your friend one two that you accepted my personal invite because you and i have had hours and hours and hours of in-depth conversations absolutely and part of the reason why we even have this podcast is to be able to platform people who have powerful stories right not to glorify ourselves but to maybe reach that one heart and that one soul that is going through a struggle that has been in that struggle can relate but also find some inspiration and hope because as we all know you know it takes hearing other stories to find sometimes within ourselves a little bit of that spark 
right. to spark that faith in us. Some people don't need it, right? Some right. people are super gritty. but And um, we live in a world where there's so many women who are defying the odds, good and bad, to become their own business owners, their right. own entrepreneurs, and their own bosses. And this month is March 2022, and we are celebrating the power of the woman. Always. Which, which I think <laughs> I think that like literally minimizes women to say right. we're going to fit you into a month. I personally think we should be celebrating women daily. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. So, Lucy, thank mm-hmm. you for coming all the Yay. way out to Manville. <laughs> of course. I should do this more often. I love it. I love so it. So cozy. It's cozy. So we're um, broadcasting from the RE Source headquarters, and um, we've transitioned our studio here, and this is where we host our guest. And everybody that is on the podcast gets to come and see our headquarters and spend some lovely time in Manville. Yes. <laughs> all right. So let's get on to it. Lucy. Yes. You are such a dynamite woman, and I'm not saying that because I love you, because I do, (laughs) but you really are. Thank Um, you. It's very rare to find a woman that has overcome the amount of obstacles in life that you have been able to do it and yet still find joy in your heart and still have a piece of you to give back. Every time... There's something good going on. You are at these galas that I've witnessed myself. You donate. You step up to the plate. You have one of the biggest hearts. And I will vouch for this. Um, I don't see a lot of the self-glorifying effect come from you. I see a lot of genuineness in your heart and soul. And so I'm saying that because I want our listeners to hear a little bit about where you are today. Tell me about your Lash Company. Tell me about your business today. And then from there, I want to talk a little bit about pre-USA. The beginning. The beginning. beginning. Let's talk about where we are now and then take it back so they know what you've been through. Okay, so right now, Wolash, we've been open officially for the last um, three years, going on three years. And uh, we have six employees currently, and uh, we do the best that we can while try to grow. And also, at the same time, we we want to still continue to give that support back to our community. So um, we do a lot of eyelash extension services. I also do training because I do believe that um, uh, a good teacher is needed in this world, even for lashes. And um, I, you know, I'm continuing to grow my company better, revamp, redirect, redo everything every single month to just be better and to grow because that is that is our model. I'll tell you what. So being a woman who has never been a big fan of lashes, me yeah. and you know that. Yeah. I just was not a fan. I, you know, I'm not fortunate i guess i feel like you did it out of love first (laughs) (laughs) out of love at first it's like i use any mascara and i've been fortunate being latina that i just have long lashes beautiful full (laughs) lashes (laughs) i don't think they're that full now that i know what full is right right, right? right but you were so generous and um for those that don't know during my book launch she's like you are gonna come and i want to do your lashes and i said you know what yes let's do it because 
I know the difference between lashes when you're taking professional photos and not, and I know that they make a difference. So long story short, I came into the studio and as a business coach and as, you know, a business professional, I always, no matter if it's a friend or not, I look at the experience that I'm receiving and I can tell you guys right now that when you walk in Wolash, there's a, there's a level of excellence that happens. There's a level of excellence. Yes, they have fun. If you follow Wolash, you know that they are c- complete hoots. They have a fun time with their employees. They do trendy things. They do fun things. But as a customer, when you walk in that door, you're greeted with a smile. The place is beautiful. It doesn't feel like a medical office. It feels like a spa almost. And the warming welcomes, the hugs, the hello, the bright faces, the friendly smiles, then the comfortable bed. You lay on the bed and it's like Tempur-Pedic and I feel like I'm on a cloud. Yeah, we made sure of that <laughs> for sure. And, and we also know how busy you are like personally i know you personally and i know how busy you are and and it saves so much time um just trying to be this boss woman that you know trying to empower the community you need your lashes you know (laughs) and you literally did that like i was in and out yeah and i loved my results and let's truth be known like i've not it is addicting but you're addicting so that's that's why (laughs) and so with that being said um you own six employees. Yes. Tell me about that. How difficult was it for you to start your lash? Let's tell me where you started. Let's okay. talk about that first. How well, did you start? I started, uh, I worked previously for a plastic surgeon and I loved what I do uh, because in, in a way you you change lives, right? You, you're able to see someone, um, to help someone feel beautiful. And so I've always, I've been doing lashes a few years prior to opening Wool Lash. And uh, I was taking a couple clients here and there from at home. And I realized I started getting really booked. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I could try to open like a small little space. Um, and then I hired one of my friends at the time. And, you know, we worked really hard and we were desperate. We've there's so many times that we've done lashes for free. We worked until 11 p.m. at night uh, just to keep the ball rolling. And um, yeah, we grew within the first year. We grew 238 percent. Within the second year, we doubled that. And this is not just only doing lashes, but this is me going out there, passing all my cards, and and reaching out to every single models. Uh, influencers out there and just trying to maximize my ability to grow like every hour of the day you know and so um and sometimes I feel like I'm not working enough you know yeah now or right and then uh but I'm glad that I I don't regret anything every single mistakes have literally made us who we are today at as Wolash and the employees that I have I'm very blessed I think in the beginning you don't have a structure for anyone. So you're just trying to figure it out. So the first year was definitely hard. Um, and then once, you know, we're in a third year. So I feel like we are very blessed to have the team that we have. And I, I don't really see my girls as my employees. And I, I, if you meet me, you will never see me introduce them as my employees. Um, I, I introduce them as my team because without them, 
wool lash wouldn't be wool lash. Mm-hmm. So I always want to make them feel, and I do genuinely feel this, that they're a part of something. Because without them, every single one of them, it wouldn't be the same. I love that. Yeah. It's definitely something that a lot of entrepreneurs, when they begin a business, they have a dream. Right. And they say, I'm really good at this technique or whatever it is that they're doing. And then they la- launch out and create a business. What's that first step that you took that took you out of working for a plastic surgeon? Because I know plenty of people that work at plastic surgeon offices or doctor offices, and it's a pretty good income, right? right. It's a good, it, you know, it had to take a leap of faith on your part to say, I'm going to follow my dream and become my business owner. And you had a strong friend relationship with right. the team yeah, at, I absolutely the, did. at the plastic surgeon's office. So what did that look like for you to say, okay, I'm going to start doing them out of my house as a side hustle. And right. then at, what was it that point when you grew to 238% that you said, I can't handle both. And now I need to really. No, I place? actually quit before I grew 238%. Oh, wow. okay. So I, I left with nothing. And the reason why was that I remember spending so much time figuring out um, the office's specials like christmas specials you know and um the time that i revamp like everything like just helping them revamping everything and going to like conference or like meetings or just you know doing events with them and i was like i'm putting so much effort of course that's i'm just a passionate person so it comes naturally but i'm like why not apply the same energy into something that is mine something that i feel like if i'm putting it an extra hour I I know that it's going towards something. That's right. You know. So you um, realized that the amount of effort that you were putting in for someone else's Correct. company could be equally, if not more, right. multiplied if put towards your own effort. Exactly. I can relate to that only because that was a that's a pivotal point for most of us right. people who launch out, decide to take that leap. It's a leap, right? right. It's like. It's like bungee jumping is the way I look at it. It's like you're looking down. You can anticipate the fear, but you jump anyway. And then you jump and it's like you get a rush of endorphins. Right. And And it's literally been like that all my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) It's just jumping. You're like another jump. Here we go. Exactly. So it's just one of those things where, you know, if you do it and you knew you tried your best, something's going to happen for you. Yeah. You know, Uh, and and something sometimes is great and sometimes it's not, but you... You really need it to grow. You really need that that jump to that grow. Jump. So then walk me through the process. So let's say somebody's listening to us today. Okay. And this girl or guy has a dream of being their own boss, their own owner. Right. And they um, can do lashes or want to learn lashes or let's say a different trade, maybe okay. something else, right? What is the first step for them? And what? give me the next few steps it, what does it take to get studio and in just yourself? So the first thing is to ask yourself, because I feel like a lot of times people have the mixed idea of being an entrepreneur and there's two different things. There's being self-employed and then there's being entrepreneur that's right it's owning a business or self-employed and those two different things you have to ask yourself before starting anything do i want to be self-employed 
or do you do I want to own a business? Do you want to want to be a business owner? Because those are two completely different things and two completely different sacrifices. So self-employed is the money comes when you work and the money stops when you work, right? Mm-hmm. And being and a lot of my students in the past, they're like, oh, I want to do what you do. I want I want to be my own boss because I have kids. And I'm like, you're going to have another kid if you choose this, you, you choose the other route of being a business owner because it does not stop. It requires sacrifices. It requires sleepless nights. It requires a lot of things that, you know, you and plus you don't get paid, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like having a baby, literally. So, I mean, I don't have a kid, but I, I would imagine that what, what it feels like is the sacrifice of your time and, and you know, uh, to grow and you don't get paid because everything that you make the first couple of years go back to the business and that is how you grow. Um, so you do have to ask that question first and foremost. And second, I feel like a lot of people don't use their resources. Explain what you mean by that. I feel like um, if they want to start something, why not just do a research? Why not Google? Why not send me a message? I haven't really gotten a message, you know, in a while. Like, I've never been afraid to to share my information or my journey. Why not reach out to people? Why not do your research? Why not, you know, do the maximize your effort of research before going into there? Because it's not just one thing. I can't tell you what what was the first thing I did because it was like a, a pie to me and those that pie has so many ingredients into starting a business it's not just one thing so you have to ask yourself are you willing to give up everything for something that could possibly be everything for you in the future and so you know finding a place finding insurance making sure that you you're able to cover your overhead costs um, how will you grow how much money do you have to make in a month? Break it down into a week, into hourly. Do you have to make to cover your costs and your bills? You know, all of those things, um, you have to be responsible. And how many hours are you willing to put in? If you're willing to put in six hours, so you're not going to be successful, I promise you. People want to do lashes or anything else in life part-time as a side hustle, but they have to be really good at it. Being really good at it, you have to put in maximizing maximum effort to be good at anything i mean that's like i want to play ball for you know for a side hustle no if you want to be professional ball you have to go to school you have to get a coach and you have to maximize your value and your effort excellence you got to operate in excellence absolutely throw all the resources at it without just jumping out and saying hey i do lashes in my house maybe you do Right. Right. And that's fine. But if you decide to be an entrepreneur, and this is what I think I'm hearing from you. Right. Is that sometimes being that entrepreneur. Right. Is going to require sacrifice. And sometimes you won't make the money. Right. Up front. Yeah. But at what point would you say that there's that silver lining where it goes from, oh, my God, I've literally felt like I have had to eat ramen for a year or I... Tell me what that sacrifice looked like for you. Um, I remember bringing on my first employee and having the anxiety every single day because I'm responsible for her now. I'm responsible for how she feed her kid. 
and I'm responsible for how she pay her bills. So uh, it was rough, you know, because I was like, hey, sometimes we got to work until 11. And, you know, thank God for her. She did. You know, she was a very hard worker and I was very lucky to have her. Um, So I think things started to get better whenever we are building up our brand and people are tagging us and, you know, we're educating our clients. We do the best we can and we build these relationships with each person and and then it blew up from there but it's just not one thing you know it's everything okay so you like you know how you clean the bathroom there's a small little room and you start from the left corner all the way to the right Mm -hmm. is exactly just like that when a client walks in so it's not just one thing, right? It's not you just give them hugs. You got to give them the education. Mm-hmm. You got to tell them the policy. You got to give them, you got to share a little bit about what we're about and do everything that nobody else is doing. And that's how you stand out. And when you have brand new clients that have never done lashes or have never done any services that you are doing, then you create an expectation of standard for them. That's right. That if you, if they go anywhere else, they're not going to get the standard and expectations. So and then they come back because they're like, nope. I like wool lash better because the, the owner hugs me, you know? And the bed is super comfy. Yeah, and I make sure that because all of the great things that we've done right is because we've done all the wrong things before. So it's a learning lesson. It's a learning lesson. Everything, everything that we've invested, that we're doing it right, trust me, we've done all the wrong things in the, in the world. And yeah. So give me, an, give me an example of like when you were starting... And you were in that phase of, okay, I, now I hired my first employee. The profit is actually going to the business right? and the employee. And a lot of people sometimes in the very beginning think that, oh my gosh, this person has their own lash studio. Right. They're super wealthy. Right. Is that true? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel like not wealthy until this day but tell me about that i know right (laughs) but tell me about that like you first started you jumped out on a leap of faith you start you left your good paying job right you you went out on this dream you it took courage definitely did and there's never okay who guided you through that process honestly i spent three years prior to starting wool lash listening to motivational speakers Every morning, practicing my affirmation, coming into a consciousness of in a, a, a good place where I feel like I'm listening to my friends giving me advice every morning. Yeah. And literally, that's how I feel, you know. Um, so I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> so the question is, who guided you through the actual process of starting the business? Like, who told, like, where did you get the information? Like, OK, I need to get a DBA. I nope. need an LLC. I, I asked my find. friends. Okay, you just asked people. And you, yeah, so... You figured it out while you went. Right. And a lot of entrepreneurs do that. And absolutely. that's what I want people to hear is that... Right. Here's the thing. And the reason I'm asking you that is because a lot of people are out there and they don't know right. where to start. And right. sometimes if you just take the time to look at somebody that's doing the business that you want to do... Yep. Asked him, hey, how did you do it? Mm-hmm. Most successful people I have learned in my career are willing to give you help and information. Absolutely. And they'll help you save time and right. a lot of heartache. But ask good questions. Good questions. Don't ask like questions that you can Google. Ask real question. Because these people, 
like genuinely that if they know they're like man you can google that you know so but ask true genuine question like make them feel like i've done all my research what can i do next or what are the differences like so, i did my part right so i'm I did not my just part. gonna come and leech off of your exactly. experience exactly i did my part now i'm at a crossroads help exactly. me out exactly they'll respect you for that right one. exactly and two you've done the due diligence exactly so i was very very lucky um to have a best friend uh that have already had a very successful bit uh spa so ricky he owns three locations of I Am High Beautiful, and he's gone through ups and downs, and I've been through it with him. I have another friend, Alex, is in business marketing. So I would have, like, you know, dinner, and I would have map them out for them. And I'm like, okay, well, what is a DBA? What is the difference between a DBA and an LLC? How do I, you know? So then I started to do a little bit more research, and I'm one thing about me is I'm never afraid to ask. Um, so, you know, I have those two great friends that literally have kind of walked me through and, um, you know, a lot of things you do have to figure it out on your own because they're still trying to figure it out their stuff as well, you know? Um, so absolutely ask questions, but do your research and ask good in-depth questions before just asking like, Oh, how do I want to start a business? Like, you know then then it's like okay well like where do i start to give you the answer because i don't even know there's just so many things Mm -hmm. so so okay so what i hear you saying is you started out with the leap of faith mm -hmm. you asked the right questions with the right people you were fortunate enough to have a good surrounding with people who have already made the mistakes and they Mm -hmm. were fortunate enough to guide you yep so i want to paint a picture okay for whoever's listening that thinks that starting a business or becoming an entrepreneur is super easy and they're going to have money to go buy Balenciagas and Gucci and live the life and have this appearance of uber wealth. That does come and that is beautiful when we get there. Right. But entrepreneurship is a lot of sacrifice in the beginning and that money that is made is not the owners it goes back into the business it Absolutely. has to go back to feed feed the baby you right. got to feed the baby so the baby keeps growing right yeah and then you have more babies and then so you then have more babies yep, yep. <laughs> so at what point have did you ever experience a day where you were working so hard only to see the profit go back to the business and go into your employees where maybe you questioned is this what I want to do. Did you ever experience that? Every payroll. <laughs> <laughs> Every payroll, yeah. I, honestly, if I talk to like Ricky or anybody that owns a business, they're like, yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard seeing that hard work is part of the responsibility. And one thing that I've, I've asked, uh, I remember asking Dr. Lou a couple months ago and I was like, how do you deal with that like balance, that high and that low? And he goes, you just got to ride the waves. And that was like one of the best advice ever because then you don't make a big deal out of the low and then you give gratitude to the high and you ride it out because you already know the waves, That's right. you know, That's and great it's advice. Yep, it is. And it's just so simple, but it's like one of those things where he's like, well, you have a pattern, learn your pattern yeah, and then execute when it's high and then cruise when it's low. I love that. Yeah, I love that. So let's talk a little bit about, um, so we got a little bit of Wolash out, where it started, yep. where you are now. You have six employees. You mm-hmm. have a location in the heart of Memorial and the Galleria. Yep. It's a gorgeous studio. Mm-hmm. If I'm not just saying that, 
I have been by default to Amazing Lash. I was against it. My daughter used to work there. Oh, full disclosure, she doesn't work there anymore. And they needed a model, and she'd been begging me, come on, get some lashes. And I'm like, I literally do not want lashes. But I right. got my first set with them. I was not happy. Right. Um, and I just didn't like the way it felt. It felt cold. It felt very corporate. Like right. I walked in. They didn't know who I was. I went into a room and it was just very clinical is how right. I felt. That may not be everybody else's experience. And right. this isn't to knock anybody. Right. I'm just talking about how I felt. Right. And so when I walk into Wolash, I'm big on experience. Right. As a coach, I you know, that's a, that is what differentiates people who come back right. in your business is the experience. Right. And I had that experience right. there. So you guys have now reached a level of it's a beautiful place. You have very consistent customers. You have customers that want quality. Absolutely. And they know they're going to get it. Yep. Right? So whenever I hire um, employees, I hire, I go for characteristics first, right? And I see, I got to see a little piece of me in them in some way. So that when they are in the salon, my customers get to experience a little piece of Lucy. And so when we have a meeting, I always let them know, I want them to experience a little piece of Lucy, a a piece of Lucy, even if it's a hug or just a cheer, like how are you doing or the outfits or anything that has to do with who I am and what I represent. So it is it is a lot because, you know, people think that they you you can open a business and just leave. You can't. You know, it's it's almost like as a baby at ages, you, you really can't, you know, maybe in 10 years. But I, I just I'm not comfortable because I'm always doing quality control. I'm in the business and I'm on top of the business. And that what differentiate me from a lot of businesses um, that, you know, and I'm sure they're very lucky, self-sufficient. And a lot of businesses are not the same. But salons, it's services, you know, industry, you do have to you know, quality control. Absolutely. So I'll say this. Um, those who know Lucy will see her as a fun, loving person. And there's that side of Lucy, right? right? And there's that side on your social media that you portray with the girls having fun. Right. You have great culture right. in your salon with your employees. But I also know the side of Lucy as a, <laughs> <laughs> as, well, that for sure, right? Yeah. But on the business side, right. I know that that portrayal online is the fun side. Right. But behind the scenes, there's structure. Yep. There's meetings. Absolutely. There's a level of excellence that is yep. that is a non-negotiable for you and your employees. Absolutely. There is a quality of how you treat your clients, yep. how they feel when they walk in the door. And I'm not saying this because I don't know. I'm saying this because I've experienced it and I watch right. everywhere I go because it's what I do. <laughs> you're like, just, you'll be default. walking in at like <laughs> a certain time where like someone gets in trouble and I'm like, oh, <laughs> she has to see this side of me. <laughs> but you know what? It's very, um, I love it. I love to yeah. see that side of you because I see Okay, so we all know, as a leadership coach, right? you're a small business, you have six employees, that's a lot. Right. And when working with clients that have other teams of 10, 15, and 20, and they're more corporate setting, 
there's a difference there as well. Right. But one thing you cannot compromise on is leadership. Right. And how you lead that team, the vision, the mission, and the structure. Right. I feel like your success is based on the structure that you create and you set in your in your spa, right. in your in your salon, right? Yep. Studio, all the words that are used today yeah. for lashes. Um one thing that I want people to hear, because I, I overheard mm-hmm. a bird, a bird told me <laughs> that a certain person who owns a lash studio was at a networking event mm-hmm. and introduced herself to a, a, a business man mm-hmm. or possibly a man. Mm-hmm. And this man said, oh, what do you do? Right. Just throw lashes on. Right. And it is, there's a skill. Right. That needs to be perfected in order to run to, a company to run and to do company. lashes. Yeah, like right. it takes, I don't know how you do it, but it right. is extremely meticulous. It's right. patient. You have to, it's tedious. S- it's tedious. Yep. Tell me, explain to us what that looks like to well, do somebody's lashes. It's an, it's, it's coordination also, right? Because you've got to have that court, that hand coordination, the preciseness, and it doesn't happen overnight. And the one thing is, I was never lucky with picking up lashes right away. But I knew I loved it. And I knew it it took me longer than normal to learn. But it is a lot of work. I mean, you are, your body is not used to small movements. I mean, we're moving one to two millimeters away from our clients. And even if you're not touching them, it is um, a muscle memory that needs to be created. And that takes time you know and so when we come training our employees and things like that or our students they get really frustrated because their hand shakes i'm like trust me everybody has gone through it and you know you have to create this muscle memory that you have never had so it is it is a lot of work but it is fun as long as you love what you do you will never feel like you're working Mm -hmm. so um that's the first important thing if you don't like what you do then you're not going to have fun just sitting there but if you genuinely enjoy doing what you do then it's it's, it comes easy it comes easy Mm -hmm. and and let's talk a little bit about that that moment where you're doing someone's lashes it's very difficult because the process is i didn't know this but you have to separate absolutely isolation isolate Mm -hmm. the individual on it right without burning their eye without poking their eye yep like I have oh. the highest respect for you yeah. now because... But I'm so sorry. Wow. Because I've never done a true consultation with you when you came in <laughs> because you're my friend. So I was like, just lay down just and lay just down, don't I got open you. your eyes. Just just go just go night-night. Um, so yeah, when we you come in for... Uh, during our consultation, we, we explain everything, what to expect. We, I always tell my girls, treat them with what to expect. Because all of our, everybody that have never gotten lashes before, they're so scared, you know? Um, so we explain the process that, you know, it's individually. We have to find one lash at a time. And then we have to put the extensions one millimeter away from your lash line. So that takes time. Wow. The glue has a certain ingredient that if you open your eyes too soon, you know, before we're done, then it burns. Wow. So it is a process. Um, but we played a podcast. So if you can't sleep and you get nervous, you can listen to the podcast to help the time goes by faster. 
Um, so we kind of guide them through, you know, no sudden movement. You shouldn't feel anything. You need to use the restroom. You do it so. Um, no caffeine before your appointment because it makes your eyes jitter. I mean, we are making it, or we are working very close to your eyes. So we do want to take extra precautions in everything that we do. It's interesting because and we're talking about lashes and so many people think it's that easy or they'll come in and maybe not value right the work that goes into right how many lashes do you put on in an, and the like cra- an average like how many actual extensions go on an average person's eyeball like one eye i want to say 50 to 100 100 50 to 100 that's lashes like extensions So 50 to 100 lash extensions That's per just minimum, eye. yeah. Per eye. Mm-hmm. Wow. Depending. I never, I never knew that that was how many go on there. So if somebody comes in and say they want a full set, like that's 100. Depending on their natural lashes, right? Wow. So if they have a lot of natural lashes, then it's fun. But if they don't, then obviously we let them know and it kind of goes from there. Wow. Yeah. And so then you have to do it twice. Because one eye and then the other eye. Yep. So then technically it could be between 100 and 200 Mm -hmm. lash extensions in a single lash service. Yes. Wow. Okay. But the thing is, the the people that come in that doesn't appreciate the art itself is because they have been in a place that doesn't appreciate the art itself. Mm. They've been in the salons that don't value who they are as an artist. Mm. Because if you are getting your lashes done by a technician... It's through time. You're just slapping lashes on. It's corporate structure and it's very minimalistic, right? But if you come to a place of true artists, we are literally creating flowers on your eyes. That's how I see it. It's art. That. So either you be patient, you get really good work, or you know, you can just get some lashes and slap them on. Slap them on the strip, right. the strip ones, right? Or yeah, or just, you know, anywhere that like there's those nail plates that does tabs but use the lash extensions glue onto their skin. <gasps> I mean, it, it's it's crazy. And I they're bet, not educated, you know? I bet you have seen some crazy things. I have. What have you seen that has I've seen um and they're not educated. So, you know, it's unfortunate. I usually take pictures, but eyelash extensions are supposed to be placed one individual natural lashes at individually. Okay, if it's placed on this, it can cause baldness because now you are pulling one lash is pulling on the other one. So if the other one's ready to shed and it's pulling on the baby because it's glued together, it it can cause irritation. It can cause it can block hair follicles if you glue on the skin. I mean, there's so many things and. You know, removing it, sometimes it's not easy. I mean, that glue has a lot of ingredients, you know, that it's supposed to last between six to eight weeks. Wow. So from dealing with, I mean, I've, my poor clients, some of my poor clients uh, that are coming from another place and they're like, I, I just, sometimes I can't open my eyes. And I'm like, oh, oh my, my gosh. I've yeah. seen, have you seen there? there's a, I don't know if it's a reel or a TikTok because I don't watch TikTok, but my daughter sent me a... A video of a girl that had like lice like little like things mm, crawling no. in her eyelashes can that happen how dirty do you have to be to get lice on your hair 
Because I have a lot of clients ask me, right? I'm like, how dirty? Or sometimes your hair is clean and then it just jumps from one head to another, right? But that's true. You can get lice in your eyelashes. You can, but you would have to have such a clump mm-hmm. like of extensions that are not brushed for so long. Mm-hmm. You would have to be like extra, extra dirty okay. for you to have that and for, for, for it to stay in your but eyes. But what about like the little bugs that are microscopic that you can't see? Like... I've Are never, there those? Because I've seen that video yes, going yes. around where they're like, they open the eyelash and it's like super microscopic, but it's like crawling in there. Uh, yes, that is possible. There's a very small chance, but, but I've not, never, ever. You've never in my, seen it. No. Not even with clients that no. come from other places. Yes, yeah, no. Okay. So it's not common. It's not common. So no one should be afraid of having bugs crawl in their eyes. No. Okay, good. That glue, that glue would probably kill them. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's so, it's so like, it's so potent that I would imagine it just like kills right. anything there. Awesome. Right. So I have a question mm-hmm. um, that I've been, I've been wanting to ask you, um, and I want you to explain to our listeners today how it is that you speak so well in English because people may not know this right but you are an immigrant right right Mm -hmm. tell us where you're from okay so I'm originally from Thailand I was born in Nakhonsawan which is like kind of in the middle of of the the country and I came here when I was 10 and I didn't speak any English and how I learned was through music and I remember being made fun of when I was younger because I was I came from Thailand, which is a really warm country, warm weather country, and I didn't have any winter clothes. So my family at the time brought me to Goodwill and bought a bunch of like winter stuff, you know, and I didn't know what good, I don't know anything is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just, you know, wearing a bunch of Goodwill clothes. And I remember the kids were pointing to like my pants or my jeans and I couldn't understand them. And I remember crying um, and I said, I am going to perfect and fake my accent until I'm like, you know, I sound like an American and someone closes their eyes, they're not going to be able to tell my accent. Wow. And I just, I, I did it. You decided. <laughs> I you decided. that bad that you were going to yeah. speak without a heavy accent yep. so that you were taken seriously. Yeah. And I, I know I started talking a lot. I started talking and singing and I hear myself more. So I'm like, oh, don't say that. Or, you know, the pronunciation got to be a little bit better, you know? Good for you. Yeah, so. So tell me a little bit about, so when you and I met, mm-hmm. um, I remember the day like it was yesterday. Oh. Me and Abby went. Yeah, it's such a small world too. That's crazy. That crazy. Yeah. That same day, I was invited to your Ladies Who Hustle event right. through Terry Ho. Yeah. And I had the flyer in my phone, and we were planning to go there, and yeah. then I meet you that day. And the day. craziest thing is, it's like, oh, what are you doing tonight? And you're like, I have this event that I'm going to. <laughs> and it was and I'm like, your event. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, if, you, if it's done early, just come to my <laughs> event. And then you just showed up, and I'm like, oh, my God. This is the event. Yeah, this is the event. That was beautiful. And Abby was with me, and something magical happened the minute you and her met i feel like love her i feel like the moment (laughs) but i feel like she has that spark with every single person she's just such a special person thank you she's she's a special person but i think there's specialness in you too to be able to gravitate towards that and y'all just hit it off i love her yeah and you were doing her hair in the middle of kendra Kendra scott Scott. yeah (laughs) 
And um, she became obsessed with you and your braids. And mm-hmm. I remember you telling me a story that day mm-hmm. that you had to learn to do braids right. in school in right. Thailand because it I was in was pu- uh, private school. So we had to have two braids. It doesn't matter if it's French or just regular braids. Um, and at the end of our braids have to be um, tied with a white bow or a blue bow. And so when my mom was so busy... I had to teach myself how to braid. And then she would she would braid my hair. I was like, oh, I don't like how you do it. So I'm going to learn how to do it. So then I started going to school and my friends were like, my mom didn't have you know time to braid my hair. Could you do it? And then the next thing I know, I'm braiding four or five girls' hair before the morning bill. And you were how old? I was 10. 9, wow. 10. Yeah. That's Abby's age now. Yeah. Can you imagine her braiding her friend's hair? Absolutely. With she can perfection. learn. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because I know that in our conversations, you've said that the schools have like a degree of excellence that's yep. required. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that you can't walk in with a sloppy braid. It's got to be nope. perfect. It's got to be perfected. Yep. What were the consequences if it wasn't? Um, so on Wednesday, Tuesday, they check our nails. So you're not supposed to have any, no nail polish. Absolutely not. I was mind blown when I came to the U.S. and everybody had color socks and <laughs> like makeup and, you know, nails because we, were, we weren't allowed to have that. Um, so Tuesday, they check our nails. And then if not, they, they hit our hands with a ruler. What did they check for on your nails? Um, trimmed and clean. So you had to have freshly manicured yep. nails. Mm-hmm. What was the purpose of that? I think it's just cleanliness mm. to make sure that this, there's no dirt or it just it's a representation of the school. Mm. And then uh, they check our socks every morning. So we get in line and they check our socks. Um, and then... That they're clean or... Mm-hmm. That your socks were clean? No, it's or? white. It has to be white only. So the, the socks... So they were checking for them to be... Hang on. Okay, so the punishment was you got slapped on your hands. Yes. Why? I don't know. I that's just how we grew up with just the punishment, so we don't do it again. You Did know. Did it work? I don't remember, <laughs> to be honest. But I had to learn twenty-four multiplication chart in our minds. That was our summer homework. And you had to learn twenty-four different all, timetables. All the twenty-four multiplication chart. In the summer on your own. Mm-hmm. So what would you do to learn those? I would sit in the tree oh. and like kind of like two times two is four, you know, like just kind of like two, you like two you times three is six. every yeah. single one mm-hmm. over and over again. And when I get the first 12 and then I go to the next 12, okay. different, you know, um, when I came here, it was fifth grade and the, you know, the math is completely different. Mm. And um, I remember this girl in my class was trying to show me how to play tricks with my hands. Oh, for the Here. nine. Yes. And I'm like, what? <laughs> You're like, you mean it doesn't just come from Yeah, your brain? it doesn't come from your brain? You don't get beaten? <laughs> <laughs> so when you were in Thailand, tell me about that. Why did you come to the States? Okay, so um, when I was first born, my grandfather uh, was already here in the U.S., and he wanted to, you know, create opportunities for his family because, um, you know, this is where the opportunity is. And um, he slowly maneuvered his children one by one. There's five of us or five of my dads. And um, my dad and I were the last one to come before he had 
a stroke. Um, and he, you know, the whole time I thought that he had opened a restaurant and used that restaurant money to slowly maneuver us, you know, here. But he actually was working at a frozen shrimp place. Oh, I didn't know employee. that. As an employee, just separating shrimp in oh. the cold. I, I had no idea. I just actually found this out uh, this past November. So my recommendation is to ask your family and not really <laughs> not assume things. But we had a restaurant when I came here already. So I thought that he, you know, um, but no, it was less fancier than what I imagined. He was putting shrimp aside. And then my dad and I got to come here. But my mom didn't get to come because he had put my dad's status as a single so when I'm a child, I automatically gets to come with him. Mm. But my so they had to get a divorce on a piece of paper. But they ended up divorcing anyway since I was born. Um, my mother, uh, she has always worked in like the zoo, like in the offices. Um, I don't think she had like a, a very well uh, permanent job. And I remember around five years old. Um, she met my stepdad and then, um, I just remember seeing my dad once a year, my real dad once a year, every summer he'd pick me up. He would come to Thailand to visit? Yeah. Well, no, he, this is before the U S so oh, this is all okay. in Thailand. Oh, okay. So he would come from another state, like in Thailand mm-hmm. to come pick me up and spend, uh, the summer. And then, um, yeah. Uh, do you and- feel like those months, like that month that you got with your father was, was a nur- nurturing, loving time that you appreciated so much? No. So no. that's one of those things. And I don't know if it's in an Asian culture mm-hmm. or main, mostly um, some of us, but, you know, dads are really distant mm-hmm. and they always blame because it's so awkward because it's a girl. So they always put that reason behind everything. Um, so I didn't have that much uh, connection with both of my parents, actually. So my mom was a really good caregiver as far as like school she makes sure that i was always in private school and she would bust her butt off um but as far as like nurturing she was like stepdads you know so the first stepdad my first childhood memory was him leaving and then my second memory was me getting introduced to my new stepdad Mm -hmm. for when i think i I was around four or five Mm -hmm. and so being put in private school like almost all my life um there were times i guess at the time my stepdad had insurance company so he was very very successful and then i came to our condo like from school one day and uh, i remember that we got robbed and we lost everything Mm. and i remember them you know we moved out and we were so broke we lived in a mountain and we he they sold from you know noodles to cds to oranges to surround sounds you're just trying to make a living and our bathroom was outside our house i mean that was the scariest part she said that was scary i don't care about the like the money part just you know having a restroom outside your home it was the scariest thing and um it's like a traditional outhouse right no because our home all the time (laughs) restroom inside the house but it was so country and i guess so what did that restroom look like? Was it like a, a it hole was, in the ground or was it like an outhouse? Like with a little door, like a porta potty? It was a porta potty, but it was concrete. Permanent. 
porta potty. Yes, but yeah. a concrete where you have to sit down mm-hmm. and you have to pour water into the holes. Mm-hmm. It was those. Well, I I had well I didn't have that, but um, in Mexico during the summers mm-hmm. when, when I would spend my my um, my summertime there, my aunt had um, there was a family that owned a house behind her. They had an outhouse, and I think it was there for forever, like for many yeah. many years. But I remember as a child, like maybe four or five years old, like having to go use that. And I'm like, what? A Y'all don't have a toilet? <laughs> like, And they had a toilet in the in their house, oh. but in the back of the house, there was like another house. Yeah. Her name was Doña Simona. And Doña Simona was like, they were the maids of them. And oh. they had this outhouse. And I don't know why or what, but I had to use that a few times. And I just remember being so grossed out. Yeah. And scared that like a snake was going to come up and because it's outside. Yeah. But, but like the, in Thailand, we're so haunted. So my mom would leave me after school at the house by myself. And I would be so scared. I would hold my bladder because i didn't want to go you know and i didn't want to go to the restroom and i would remember like a like a scary movie would come on around like six or seven and i would just start crying and find a neighbor and they would just be like okay just stay here until your mom gets back and she didn't get back until like nine or ten you know so the struggle was real at the time um the mountains i mean i was beaten Uh, i was put in public school twice when they lost everything and the teacher was just beating me for no reason with just, I mean, it's crazy. But they did that to a lot of kids, right? Because yeah. corporal punishment is yes. part of the school system. Yes. Disciplinary I action. just feel like private school has more structure. Public school just doesn't. It's just like a like a good old beating. Like they grab a stick and they just whoop you for no wow. reason. For no reason. For no reason. And I remember, like, it's just because my handwriting was perfect because that's how ours would, ha- would have to be. But she's, like, you know, she's trying too hard and she thinks she's better than everyone. And, like, you know, there's just, it's crazy. So you learned your good handwriting from the public school. and then when No, from private school. From, I'm sorry, from private school mm-hmm. because they had a level of excellence that yep. they demanded. So Excellent. then you transitioned yep. to public school. For only a few months. And in those few months, because you excelled. Yeah she retaliated yep. against you how mm-hmm. horrible yeah i'm so sorry yeah it, you know uh it was definitely different but i didn't understand and you know as a kid you don't really compare things what's good and what's bad you're just like what mama i have this bruise and she's just like you know i don't remember what like happened but i remember she put me in a private school again like by the second grade and then i stayed at the same school until i came to the u.s so is it okay if we go there? Yeah. So when you um, left Thailand and mm-hmm. moved to the States, um, how did that feel to have to leave your mom? Um, I don't really, to be honest, I don't really have that emotional connection because I felt like it, I just didn't. You just didn't. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, I was not really like, like nurtured. Um, it was more like keep her alive and put her in good school but it was not like there's no hugs there's no kisses i have i've always slept in my own room ever since i could remember and i remember being so scared um i remember like sometimes i would walk into her room and put her arms around me to be able to fall asleep but i've never ever gotten that initial like nurture so it was easy for me when i came because i forgot about everything (laughs) Um, so the story, uh, and I, I tell this story a lot to, you know, any of my friends or the people just, 
so that it's you know it's it's the story is a part of me so when i came here um it was my aunt so my dad's sister that covered her covered us to come to the u.s because my grandfather already had a stroke so he made a paper the paper came through so we got our green cards and then we came here and then 10 so my grandmother also got flown into the u.s to raise my aunt's kids so we have two little babies already in maine and it's really cold um that's where you moved to first yes to that's that okay. that is the first location and um the 10 days after um my grandmother i i felt a really heavy spirit touching me and it was the heaviest spirit i've ever felt in my entire life until today and i um i just knew something was wrong in like my gut i just didn't know what it was and a few i want to say a couple weeks later my uh dad told me that my stepmom my my godmom which is my mom's sister uh that my mom had moved in with her and they'd separated from my stepdad but she got into a car accident and she is slowly uh she's in the hospital so she can't really talk but she can write so then there would be letters coming to me so i wasn't able to speak to my mom 10 days after i came here to the u.s so and, 10 days after you arrive in maine mm-hmm your father tells you yeah. that your mother has now separated from your stepdad right. and has moved in with her best friend. Which her was sister. Her sister, which yeah. was your godmother. godmother. Right. Okay. And ten. this is 10 days. So after that 10-day period, you start receiving letters. Right. From my mom. mom. Yes. Mm-hmm. So my mom. And then just like, how are you doing? I miss you. And then like my birthday, I would get like these pajamas from her and um and then at the time every few months my dad would be like she's getting worse her heart is slowing down and she only you know like they kind of start saying like 70 percent, 60 50 but at throughout this the point whole year. did you ever ask like hey i miss my mom i want to talk to her can i call her uh no because the letter kind of says it all she was like the the machine is pumping and i can't really talk so I rather just type because I'm so weak and things like that, you know. And so um, at the end of exactly a year of that 10 days, my dad had announced that she had passed away. And um, and she and, you know, I cried a little bit, but I just I felt the hurt. But my whole family have never really given me a chance to um exp- be expressive or 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 heal um so or analyze like my hurt it was just like okay we'll go play outside and nobody acknowledge anything like my dad just cried with me for a little bit and then my aunt never acknowledged me my grandmother never acknowledged me they never say i'm so sorry i'm here for you at least you have us no none of that nobody acknowledged me on anything it was just business as usual. As soon as I came out of the room crying, they're like, hey, there's a kid outside. We're going to go to the pool, so grab your clothes. So I've never got to deal, grieve that, grieve that you know. And um, fast forward, um, my grandmother raised me in a very crucial, <laughs> I want to say, uh, at the least. Um, you know, she had a lot of animosity towards my mom, and she grew up 
probably being really abused, you know, by her parents, I assume. Um, so uh, when I turn 18, the U.S. passport require a... Um, my dad did a citizenship mm -hmm. uh, test and passed. So I grandfather the U.S. citizen. And um, they require my mom's death certificate. So... Uh, that was when I found out because the death certificate had to be sent to me for me to submit for my U.S. passport. And it says cause of death and it says murder by Mr. And that was when I found out that my mother was murdered by my stepdad. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment where, you know, my godmother called me and she has been through my by my side throughout the whole years of calling me and you know making sure I was okay but um she was like I'm sorry like I we had to find out this way uh we wanted to protect you but we didn't know how so you know so that's you how found I found out. out what day did she actually pass away um it was November 23rd which was how many days after you arrived here I think I, I want to say like 10 days. So so the story that they told you was that she was in the hospital, but mm -hmm. in fact, she'd already been murdered. Yep. And so that 10 day that 10 days happened. Yep. That murder happened 10 days when you arrived. Yeah. Coincidentally to the day that you felt that yes. spirit mm -hmm. grab you, hold you. Yeah. Touch me. Touch you. Yeah. A spirit came over you yeah. and you felt something in your gut. But wouldn't that explain why a year later when this fabricated letter comes in to tell you that the machine stopped, that she's now passed away, no one felt anything because they already knew and they right. had already gone through that right. for a whole year. Yeah. Finally knows now, let's go outside. Yeah, and exactly. And allow you the space to actually grieve or grieve right. with you. Right. So I didn't never have time to just, you know, analyze or grieve or deal with any emotions. So it's 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 a it's a bittersweet because i i see it as a strength also because if something bad happens i'm like okay let's find a solution and move on so i don't yeah. really stay in that place and grieve almost like i don't know how mm -hmm. you know so i mean i take it as a a good thing now but i do like i started doing therapy last year and it's helped tremendously in every single part of my life and it definitely because I feel like a lot of people don't do research on themselves. And I know we had this conversation earlier. We don't even know who we are. Mm -hmm. And then after a breakup, we ended up trying to find who we are. And we give a piece of ourselves to whoever that we love at the time. So being, you know, taking therapy, it's almost like they're doing a research about you. And you keep getting to know yourself and your triggers and your traumas and what causes you the way that you are and what gives you upregulated and how do you downregulate and you you learn all those great things so i even if you don't have the traumas that anybody has um i would highly recommend just seeing a therapist i agree <laughs> well i think that it's it's pretty interesting to to piggyback on what you just said is that we have a friend or we we know friends that sometimes go through very terrible breakups right and we hear people say well i need time to get
the substance right. of who you are as a, as a woman. And I know for a fact that you giving back is, is, a, is a big part of that heart of yours. Yes. And I know that Woe Lash Foundation will impact many women. And for those listening that don't know, Houston is the number one city in the, in the I think in the North, the, the North Continent, correct me if I'm wrong, but for human trafficking. I think it's in the in the country. Is it in the? I thought it was like Mexico, U.S. and Canada, like on all of North America. Oh well, yeah, in the U.S. maybe in the corridor. And so we do a lot of work with um, Nisi Hamilton, who she is a sex trafficking survivor. Um, and then also, like what you said, I really like where you mentioned teaching moms, like the very simple things of don't let your child get undressed in front of their stepfather or the stepfather's brother or how to hug or how to dress inside a household full of men men. or not to trust just because you've known them for 20 years you know like the situation that we just learned about like that is the exact thing exactly for those listening we just recently met a beautiful little 13 year old girl baby girl um, oh my gosh she's so sweet and beautiful she is such a sweetheart i mean she's a child right she's a child um and she was raped by her stepfather's brother who lived with them for many years um since she was like seven six or seven Ugh. and um i don't know how long or what but she was pregnant and decided to give birth to the baby and so lucy was with me we went to drop off some items but that goes to show that most of the times the the perpetrator is somebody in the home mm-hmm. or somebody close. It's always someone close. It always is. And yeah. it's very Someone rare. you trust. It is. And, and I can't imagine. I don't know what I would decide if right. my child were raped at 13. Right. She's a child herself. Right. And we had her over so that those who donated and, like, uh, family members and right. friends could just meet her. Right. She's a real person, y'all. It's not just a fake GoFundMe. Yeah. Like, this is a real situation. And yeah. um, me and my really good friend, Leah, um, were in the living room, and we noticed how, how she ran around and played with Abby. Abby's nine. Yeah. And her little brother's eight. And she... Her mom had the baby. She handed it over and was running around playing chase. And, and and that's when we got a look into, like, she is a child. Yeah. Having a child. Yeah. And these situations happen right. way too often. It's better to be paranoid and, like, crazy. Come off as, like, you a crazy mom of yeah. being so protective than just not doing enough and it's too late. You know, 100%. because that's real trauma real trauma like you can't undo that you right undo like that. as so you creating small mini adults are creating into a big adults with big traumas yeah, you know that's, that's why right. we have so many bigger issues that that people are affected just by a not conscious other people that doesn't know how to parent they don't and when we grow up we realize that our parents are just people they're just you people know? doing the best they can yep. with what they have at the yep. time at that time in life with the resources that they had. Yep. Um, many of many of my listeners know my dad was a single father. Um, my mom wasn't in the home right. from my, from three when I was three years old. They divorced. Um, I lived with my dad, and so it brings me to tears when I hear things like that. Right. You know, where you know you didn't have your mom around either, 
And I don't think I was even aware that something was missing. And that's not a dig on her or like an indictment. It's just, it was also survival mode. And it wasn't until I was a mom myself right where i was realizing like oh what a huge piece yes i'm like a mom is i didn't have that i didn't have her brushing my hair in the mornings or making me breakfast or right and i did that for my girls every morning it was like and they're amazing your girls are so great you did such a great job oh my god thank you i don't feel like that sometimes i'm like (laughs) i'm like what did i do lord (laughs) jesus it's not easy but that's one of the things to piggyback on what you said and um before we end here, it, it, be cons- be very conscientious of our of our daughters and our boys because it happens to boys, right? By siblings as well, and oh by people God. in their homes. Um, boys are, are being sexually molested. There. Yes, there is disgusting, sick people, and there's also. I was very paranoid with my daughters. In our culture, we weren't allowed to spend the night. Yeah, and I for one, can say that through the Family Foundations International Ministries, when I facilitated a lot of group sessions and inner healings where people uncovered and opened up about their traumas, I'm telling you, 95, and I'm exaggerating, 90% of the trauma that we heard was somebody being raped or molested by a family member or a friend of a family member that was visiting. Yeah. And so I learned early on when I was 18, 19, and I heard these stories my daughters are not spending the night anywhere. I yep. don't care who you are. Yeah. You're welcome to have a sleepover at my house here, mm-hmm. here, but my kids will not spend the night somewhere else. Right. I just shared this with one of my clients the other day, and she said her mother was the same way. They're Mexican. Yeah, and my grandma, like, she was, did a really great job at teaching me, hey, this is how you hug. That's this right. is, and if you bend over and you can see your bra, change. Do not wear shorts in the house. I mean, small things yes. that when you grow up, and I'm sure once I have my daughter, I'll, I'll appreciate that. But I've experienced both worlds. I've experienced where the mom neglected and is too trusting. And then I also experienced, wow, like not everybody is, you know, and I'm protected from that, you know. You know, it's funny because psychologists say that... Um boundaries and protection like over like over protecting your kid right gives them a subconscious feeling of being protected of right. safety and when you don't put those boundaries in your kids and you just let them do whatever they want that subconsciously they don't feel loved and protected yeah and don't quote me but, on that but, but I teenage read years that. is really oh, hard it is it's the younger years where yeah. it's like you know there's no structure there's no you know, boundaries, right. and you just let them do whatever they want. Yeah, teenage, I can tell y'all, my, I was very, I was I was not terrible, but, you know, I had some bold, bold personality in there. So, <laughs> so I'm very fortunate to um, to have shared your story. Thank you so much for having me. the entire world. Yes, um, I think we're like in 16 countries now. Um, and so your story what matters is that they get to hear from a woman like you they get to hear that to show with what advice would you give our listeners on overcoming the obstacles of stepping out and starting their dream okay inspiration and motivation disappears it does not last. It's like a Band-Aid. It's like, an, uh, like a perfume. It just does not last. So don't wait 
for inspiration and motivation to come to you, start and then the inspiration and motivation will come. I love that. Yeah. Discipline and yep. consistency. Yep. Discipline, consistency, all of that. And so, I mean, there's just, it's a pie. <laughs> I'm going to end with that because I, I see everything in life as a pie. Not just one piece, but there's eight pieces, let's just say, in a pie. And those pie needs to be given out equally. That's discipline. That is motivation. That is hard work. That is the hustle of your life. You got to get out and work for yep. it. Yep. And if anybody can, if you can do it, they can too. Absolutely. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you, Lucy. You guys, thank you for joining in and listening to this podcast. I think we're about an hour, almost an hour and 20 minutes. It's been a great time digging deep behind those layers with Miss Lucy Woe. Yeah. And I invite you to go ahead and share this inspirational um, podcast with somebody that you know and comment at the bottom of this on um, Spotify. We're on Spotify. And share this and respond to us. Let us know if you have questions or if there's something that you heard in this podcast that really touched your heart and inspired and motivated you. You guys, thank you so much for joining us. And remember to release your roar. Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Bare Beauty Aesthetics. CEO and founder is Abby Torres. The Abby effect is known to give you the perfect silhouette. If you don't believe me, head on over to Instagram, search her up by typing in Bare Beauty Aesthetics 01 and take a look for yourself. Look, I'm telling you that it's enough to get a girl like me signed up. Using world-class non-invasive fat reduction and skin tightening machines, some of you may or may not have heard of, but have amazing results. The Abby effect is known for leaving her patients raving and telling others about their experience, releasing inches right away, as well as increased, decreased cellulite over time. If you're interested in seeing what you would look like after a session and having the Abby effect, go ahead and call her directly 713-815-0628. Or you can reach out to her directly on Instagram as well. Guys, if you are wondering about this machine, I'll tell you what, it doesn't discriminate. It gives the same results to females and males the same. So don't hesitate. Go ahead, call Abby, and get your Abby Effect session booked right away. Again, 713-815-0628. This was another episode of Release Your Roar. Do you know someone who has a story to share? Connect with Crystal at becomingalioness.org. Send us love and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. This was Release Your Roar.